everybody. Welcome to Musicology, the podcast that gets behind how music's made. I'm your host, K-Mac, where we'll dive inside how creativity happens and the tips, tricks, and secrets behind some artists that I'd like you to get to know better. So stay tuned as we unpack the suitcase of rock. So welcome, everybody. This is K-Mac better known as Kevin McKee. Welcome to Musicology, my podcast. So we're here with the Susquehanna Floods, and I'm glad to have these guys tonight, uh, Eric and Trevor. So uh, Eric and Trevor, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves quickly? My name's Trevor Biggers, and uh, I am, I suppose, the, the front man of the Susquehanna Floods. Welcome. Thanks, sir. Thanks for having us. Yeah. And uh, I am Eric Crow, and I am the bassist for the Floods. Great. Well, I'm really glad to have you guys both on the podcast. I appreciate you taking time out of this, uh, what do we call it, self-isolation or quarantine, depending on how <laughs> sick you are. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, not a problem, man. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. Are you guys holding up okay through all this? Yeah. Uh, at least I am. I can't speak for Trevor, but uh, <laughs> so far, so good. You know, everyone in the household's healthy and uh, I'm lucky enough to still be working. So I'm still getting paychecks, which is definitely a blessing. Sweet. Yeah, I, uh, I'm also working. I have the, I'm fortunate enough to be able to work from home and to uh, bounce off of Eric. That is my catchphrase while this going on is uh, the so far, so good. And it reminds me of uh, a line in the Magnificent Seven. A uh, guy jumps out of a building. They ask him how he's doing. He's falling down. I'm probably butchering it, but he's falling down. He's gone through, <laughs> and he's saying, uh, "So far, so good." So, you know, that's we're we're all kind of free falling at the moment, just waiting to see uh, where we land. Yeah. Indeed. So I kind of look at this like a World War II kind of scenario. The country went through like four years of really difficult times, some rationing, and a lot of personal sacrifice, but. Uh, a lot of people came together and we all came through the other side. So I'm, I'm trying to focus on the positives and uh, help people get to the other side. That's one of the impetuses of this, this podcast is just a little entertainment for when people are sitting around the house or cleaning or going stir crazy. So again, guys, thanks for being here. Dig it, man. (laughs) So, you know, uh, this is obviously a podcast that is uh, centered in the mid Atlantic of the United States, but uh, my plan is to get as big as people will, listen and or come on as guests so just for those people who are listening in the audience where are you guys from originally and uh where are you where are you living today roughly after you crow oh okay uh well i am from uh like the north wilmington area of delaware uh currently live uh just outside the belfont area so uh yeah i'm a lifelong delawarean cool yeah um uh, Mine is uh, a a little uh, theatrical, I suppose. I try I'll try to cut it down a little bit. No, but, do uh, tell, do tell. Oh man! So I was born in Utah, uh, and my parents were originally from Cecil County, Maryland. Both of them they uh, they met in Cecil County, moved to Utah, had my brother and I, and uh, then they moved back here. But I consider myself a Maryland boy. Uh, I spent a good pretty much my entire life uh we moved back when i was very young so i consider maryland home and that's where i reside uh i bought a house in my hometown about six years ago and i I love every minute of it i'm right by the water 
and I'm so close to all a lot of great cities, and it, it makes it it makes it great for a musician uh, to be able to move around uh, in the tri-state area. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So uh, the Floods is also a uh, a local slash regional band. You guys have played a, a number of places. Do you want to give me a little brief history about uh, how long the Floods have been together, and uh, you know, kind of where you are today? Absolutely. Um, the Floods started man i lose track of time i want to say probably <laughs> 2014 um if that's if that, that might be incorrect but i've been playing music for in a band for a while I had a cover band and i decided to uh, i wanted to play my own music and write and just i've always had an outlet so i i actually one of the your buddy our buddy uh kirby moore uh lead, lead guy of tree walker mm-hmm I met him at an open mic and he showed me his studio and played me some of his, you know, the first, uh, I think it was October wind, which ended up being like one of my favorite local, like, uh, albums, like starting off. Like I was like, this is, this is awesome. (laughs) And he's like, yeah, you think so? I'm like, yeah, this is amazing. And then I just like, I caught the fever. Uh, and I was like, I want, I want to have an original band. I want to do this. This is like, I, I just saw the fulfillment that he had and, you know, he, he was super supportive and, you know, so we, we, I put together, um, the, the basics, I guess would be the, the, uh, the first round of the floods mm-hmm. with, uh, Brett Pearson on bass and Zach Crouch on the guitar. And then we pulled in Eric Picard on drums and we would just twice a week, um, at least once a week, we would rehearse at Gracie's in Elkton where I met Kirby mm-hmm. and, started just i just started right i i we would go and jam together and i would be like all right well i guess we have a new song so i'd gone home the next night and start writing and be like hey what do you guys think of this and we'd go back into the next uh next rehearsal and start jamming um you know we we've you know did the the build-up you know we, we played local uh we started moving into other uh, venues, uh, bigger ones, you know, we were very fortunate to get the opportunity to play music Armageddon. And, you know, we played, we played that show with you guys and it was so cool to, to see, you know, all the, like, you know, they made it a competition, but it was just like watching everyone support each other, like standing up the wings, Mm -hmm. um, while the other bands are playing. And, you know, we got to keep moving on and, you know, playing some bigger shows. We got to play the queen a couple times, which is probably one of my favorite, uh, visually like, uh, uh, venues to play. It's just, it's just oh, gorgeous. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so, so gorgeous. We got to play on the same bill with Robert Randolph and the family band. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to play on the same bill as little feet or sorry, funky feet. Very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, <laughs> Moving, moving on, and then that's you know I'll I'll hand it over to Eric because it kind of like mashes into where, uh, you know, just like a band, everything's always evolving. You know, some guys got to hop off the train. Yeah. Um, you know, I stayed on, and that's where I met uh, Eric Crow, who is uh, the bass player currently as well in the Psychedelic Puppets. And I, I kind of I was like, hey man, how would you feel about <laughs> playing some bass with the Floods? And I will turn it over to him. Yeah, I think the exact words were, hey man. Do you want to jam sometime? And I was like, 
It's like, sure. I mean, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd seen the floods around uh, locally for, for a couple of years. And man, like Trevor could write a song, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, Brett, their bass player at the time was also phenomenal, you know, and I, I, I really like, you know, most of the most of the original stuff that they had written. You know, I didn't do have to do too much work as far as uh, the bass lines besides, you know, obviously making it my own a little bit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it's so I, you know, I join and man, a bunch of talented guys, you know, I'm lucky to be playing with them, man. Yeah, it, it's it's really interesting to watch the evolution. And Trevor, I think you and Eric both did a great job of setting up how the bands, you know, come through the ages. So just for the listener who may not know, let's talk about the current lineup. Uh, who, who's in the band today and what instrumentation do you have in the Susquehanna Floods? So our current lineup is, of course, the groovy Eric Crow on, <laughs> on lead bass. Uh, I've been called that. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have... Chris Walters, who is a uh, Hartford County guy right over the river, the mm-hmm. Susquehanna River, um, who I asked if he would join uh, for, for lead guitar. And he brings such a unique uh, sound of his own. So lead guitar with Chris Walters. And then uh, my childhood friend playing organ, uh, James Rapazelli. And then we have currently we are we are. It's it's so strange because you know we've always we had Eric Picard was playing with us for a little bit and he he just like with other guys you know everyone's time it, it runs different than um, everyone else so we have we have a phenomenal uh, drummer that comes in and he he he's there to support us when when we need him his name's Greg Mainers and he is one of my absolute favorite percussionists. Like when I say that uh, I play with him in a duo, he is one of those guys that plays everything, guitar, mandolin, harmonica, sings, drums. You know, I watched him do all three at the same time Um, (laughs) and it just blew my mind. And him and I had very similar taste of music. And then last, but certainly not least, uh, my dear friend, Jared Opsfeld on saxophone. And it's so weird to just like hit them with like, you know, like what instruments these guys play mm-hmm. because there's so much like there's so many more layers to what they bring to the band as well. Yeah, you're really yeah. lucky to play with a lot of very talented multi-instrumentalists and uh, guys who are really deep on the instrument they feature in the band. So it's it's definitely uh, probably one of the better bands I've seen in, in any state. I mean, in terms of talent and and uh, wow. songwriting very, very that, is a, that is a high compliment coming from you sir you, yeah. you you've been doing this for you know for for some time now and you know you've seen a lot of guys come through so i really appreciate that yeah man uh, you know it, it's you mentioned the music armageddon and you guys you're humble about that but you you guys won that and you deserved it then and you deserve it now so uh thank you sir. great job congrats thanks man yeah, appreciate that. It's cool to see the the just from that the evolution to where we are now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt I felt like I mean I was definitely a a man paying taxes and a mortgage, <laughs> but I felt like I felt like such a child, you know, like as a musician mm-hmm. then and now. You know, I still feel uh, very young. It's almost like dog years. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look I look old, but you know, I still feel I like I'm not that old as a musician. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, you know, I think it's really good to set up, um, 
you know who you got who you guys are and what's what's happening today but like i wanted to dive behind the music thus the the title of the podcast musicology so it's a study in a way and uh if it's okay with you guys i'd like to like go back in time with you guys personally musically and then catch back up with the floods in a in a few minutes if that's okay absolutely yeah definitely let's dive back as uh, when you were a kid i mean what's the first musical memory you have where you remember maybe uh, hearing something or watching somebody play or or what inspired you to to consider hey this music thing is something big for me and i i want to do this in my life man i've got so many <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let i'm gonna let crow I, I, pardon my uh my politeness it's usually my thing is to I'll let the other guy go first. So I'm going to let her take this one while I try to. Such try a to... gentleman. <laughs> I try. Well, manners are never uh, wasted, though. Well done. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, I I was lucky enough that although neither of my parents were really, uh, they weren't really players, but they both definitely had an appreciation for music. Mm-hmm. And that definitely, um, you know, helped with my upbringing. I mean, they, you know, they didn't listen to a lot of, uh, you know, modern stuff at the time. You know, I mean, I was born in the early 90s and but, you know, they listened to a lot of a lot of big band stuff. The Beatles, uh, you know, classical. Um, my mom was really big on smooth jazz, which probably kind of uh, inspired my love of the bass, you know. Um And, you know, so I, I grew up and, you know, we listened to the radio. We listened to, uh, you know, music pretty regularly you know not not all the time but um you know and then uh i think when i was in like uh third grade so i was like uh i guess like eight or nine Mm -hmm. um i started uh you know in school you know had an assembly and you know this guy came in was like hey kids you want to learn how to play the violin you know, and he came in and like demoed like all, you know, and he played all these beautiful songs. And I was like, oh, man, you know, if I if I do that by the end of the year, I can learn how to play all these pretty songs. And turns out that uh, violin takes a little bit more than a year to uh, get to get to play the <laughs> nice classical stuff. But um, but I was lucky enough, uh, you know, that uh, I guess a year or two after that, I uh, started taking lessons from this uh, guy, Mark Unruh. Uh, local uh, bluegrass player and just all around amazing multi-instrumentalist but uh, you know he taught me on fiddle for a number of years um and then uh, when i was about 16 i think it was uh you know i'd you know i'd started listening to rock and roll and all that and you know i like i liked guitar but you know the thing that always caught my ear was in uh you know rock music and like you know anything else also listen to is the bass lines because just that adds that like groove to it so i for my 16th uh birthday my parents got me just like a little uh you know one of those starter bass and amp combos and cool you know, played the hell out of that thing for a while and and then the rest is history you know <laughs> yeah man it's amazing how like uh one one assembly like that at school where you hear an instrument like the violin uh really mm-hmm. take you over and, and lead you down a path that's that's pretty cool yeah yeah that, you know and I'm, I'm i'm thankful that i that i did uh decide that i wanted to give that a go because it really did uh you know 
gave me something to focus on, you know? And I mean, and again, I've always loved music, but being able to play it is one of my favorite things, even, even if it's something that I'm not that great at, you know? <laughs> but sweet. Lots yep. of things a musician you just get to keep getting better. Like you're never, I feel like just like with life, you're learning, like, you know, music is the same way. You're never, you're, there's always going to be someone, if you compare yourself, there's always going to be someone that's better. But the best thing to do is to make yourself better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, that, that that's cool. Uh, thanks. Thanks, Eric, for that. Hey, Trevor. Yeah, not a problem. <laughs> yeah. Trevor, how about you? Uh, anything spark in your oh, memory man. as you were listening to that story? So many things. I And that's, it's, there's so many, like, pivotal moments in my life that, like, uh, almost were, like, guiding hands to, to push me to play music um i grew up in a very interesting uh neither one of my parents played uh my mom sang to us when we were kids uh but my dad listened to old country he listened he loved elvis he listened mm-hmm. to conway twitty johnny cash like all those old guys and my mom was uh she's 10 years younger than my dad so uh, you know he was in vietnam and when he left it was all rock music. And then when he came back, everything was changed. You know, it was going, it was all different for him. But my mom grew up with that boom of, you know, the British invasion of the Beatles and, and Queen and, and the Rolling Stones. But the, the thing that pulled them together was Motown. They both mm. absolutely loved Motown. Mm. Um, oh, it's, it's so good. <laughs> and that, and that really, uh, you know, the, some of the happy memories, which I mean, then I, they're all happy memories, but the, the memories of seeing those two together, uh, my dad would always say he had two left feet, even though he was a huge Bee Gees fan, which he didn't, he didn't say it too often, but, uh, you know, I'd see him grooving in the kitchen and they were listening to Motown. And it was just like, that's one moment that I really remember. I was like, this is, I want to make people feel the way my parents feel at this moment. And then, you know, as you get older, I feel, I feel like you're a product of what your parents listen to. So it's so important to, you know, if you have kids or even like sharing music, cause that's what we're supposed to do is share it. But I remember my mom gave my brother and I, uh, I had my first cassette player Walkman and she gave me Queen's greatest hits and she gave my brother mm-hmm. classic queen. And we, him and I would swap the two, uh, cassettes back and forth. And I was like, this is amazing. And then I bought my first CD I've ever bought was, uh, uh, Metallica's S&M is when they recorded with the symphony orchestra. Nice. And, and I was like, this is amazing. And I had all growing up amazing uh, uh, music teachers. Mr. Wadsworth was my elementary school um, music teacher, and he made it, he made it fun. And then uh, middle school, uh, I am drawing a blank on my middle school uh, <laughs> okay, <laughs> music teacher, but <laughs> But high school was really where I, I started to get into harmonies and, you know, I was in a choir, I was in chamber singers, which is kind of like more of a, I, I hate to use the word elite, you know, because <laughs> I, I just don't like that word. But, you know, people that were that were really into it and we would we would go to we would start school at six o'clock in the morning every day to have chamber singer rehearsal. And I, I never learned how to read music, but he Mr. Uh, R, he taught me that. You don't have to. He said you could listen. So anything he would sing, I would I would sing with, along with him. And I was in musicals, and I decided that I wanted to 
play guitar because I wanted to be able to accompany myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm still uh, very much a student at guitar. Uh, I, I had one guy tell me, hey, man, you're a really great rhythm player. I'm like, do you play rhythm guitar? He's like, yeah, how'd you know? I was like, well, that's pretty much the only thing a rhythm player would say to another rhythm player. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you're being humble there, Trevor, but uh, obviously you're quite a player. You couldn't have played all the venues you have, so. Oh, man, I, I, I chalked that up to a really great band and uh, just, uh, you know, it's, it's strange. I, I, I'd love to be able to take a sick lead riff, but, you know, I feel like in a band, you, the, to, to succeed is to not know your place, but almost know your place. It's like we, we are, I make this reference so many times, you know, being in a band is like operating a tank. Um, and every person's job, is just as important as the other one, although it'd be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before I dive off of that too far, I started the band uh, playing music live was because of a girl. <laughs> uh, I, was going, <laughs> I was going through a rough time and we were trying to make things work. And we, we would, our thing was we'd sit in the car and we'd listen to music, mm-hmm. we'd share music. And uh, that's where I started to get a lot of my taste through you know just like the sharing of music like this i never even why did i listen to this this is fantastic and and then she was like oh you should have a band i'm like man i should have a band but i also (laughs) have to give credit to uh i guess the flood sound i used to be a blues brother impersonator um really (laughs) and i have a very obsessive personality and i dove deep into the blues i'm talking like little walter muddy waters howlin wolf, wolf yeah like okay all those guys yeah. uh this because i was thinking i was like oh well this is what I, I i remember watching a um an interview with uh belushi and Ackroy, and belushi's talking about how dan Ackroy got him into the blues because he was you know he's all about rock and roll you know joe cocker uh impersonation and sure he, so i started diving into that and that's i i just like i felt it i felt it uh yeah. deep in my bones and i i feel like that combination of uh that if you look at us visually you you get like that kind of country western mm. uh uh and then you i i want to have like that mix of motown blues big band you know and and storytelling so it's yeah it's just a whole a whole lot of stuff kevin mm-hmm. that led up to this well, you know, it's interesting you make reference to a lot of those classic uh, diving deep into the blues because a lot of the, the bands that influenced many people over the decades have been, you know, the Stones and the Zeppelin bands, but they all dug mm-hmm. deep like you did into the same references because there's an authenticity and uh, a level of human emotion, I think, in the blues that if you don't feel it, you're not listening. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. absolutely. And it wouldn't, if it wasn't for the blues, we wouldn't have rock and roll today. Yeah. I mean, you know, to, to literally like that is that is blues in the epitome of taking tragedy and, and, and making something of it. Yep. You know, uh, and that's how blues music came about. I mean, I could sit and talk to you like <laughs> on our own, like another like whole other hour where just like talking about the history of blues and how it influenced music. But, Indeed. You know, and right, it's great. Right. It's great to to hear that. And like I didn't get into I'm a late bloomer on on like. Uh, Neil Young, like I was, you know, on your last podcast, Kirby was talking about how Neil Young's a big influence in mm-hmm. him. Well, I didn't listen to him until 
almost like five years ago, like really got into oh, it. Oh man, you're missing went, out. <laughs> you know, I, I also look at it like, uh, I, I'm glad that I'm a late bloomer to that because I feel like I have more appreciation to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to see Neil Young a couple years back at Farm Aid and it was just, it was phenomenal. And I'm like, and just to show you how like, uh, uh, of a novice i was listening to him like when he would rip a solo i'm like what <laughs> what <laughs> you kidding me he's oh rocking man, the that, free that, world man that's the best big yeah. solo ever uh, when he's and he's playing on that gorgeous les paul like yeah yeah 1950 or something right 50. yeah it's got some miles on it <laughs> well it's oh, it's yeah. it's interesting how both of you guys uh you, you mentioned the the link to old blues but I, you know i heard old country and i heard bluegrass and uh and jazz mentioned i mean all those are very american art forms that uh have have influenced many people so it's easy to see like uh you know how you guys got to where are where you are today uh do you have any vision for the floods like uh like how 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 would you place yourself among those genres do you have a way of like classifying yourself or do you stray stray away from genre classifications oh man this is this is you have so many good questions kevin this is great (laughs) so when we did our first ep which was such a a a learning experience going into a studio uh, we worked with a guy named jane and he was phenomenal he had this gorgeous studio in bell camp um in maryland in hartford county Mm -hmm. and when we finished everything up um and i think uh, we had to pick i think we had to pick like what kind of genre that we would be in right. in order to put out, you know, where, where it would place you. And I think it was like CD baby or whatever. And like on iTunes and all that stuff. And sure. everyone was, you know, throwing in their, 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 uh, their two cents of like what we should be. And, and, you know, I'm sitting in the corner, just kind of contemplating, listening to what everyone's saying and thinking about it. So I hop on my phone and I start Googling all the guys that ins- inspired me and how i like you know i would i would like if i were to like be on a lineup with someone you know and i think it would go well who would it be and i picked like you know i was looking at like ccr mm-hmm. i was looking at the almond brothers mm-hmm. i was looking at yeah. alabama shakes black keys and like you know i was getting like you know uh pseudo blues would come up and i was like yeah well, we're not really like pseudo blues and then i came across roots rock and so we labeled ourselves like in a technical term, uh, roots rock. But mm-hmm. I, if I were to give you, and we'd be called, we've been called blues folk rockers. <laughs> and I feel like sometimes it might confuse some people, but if I were to give a, I'm trying to see if I can remember how to say it. I always, I always flub it up, but it's a, a <laughs> roots rock and soul is what I would call yeah. ourselves. roots rock and soul. That's great. That's very unique, and I think it, it encapsulates everything that I hear, uh, along with a few other things in your influences. So, uh, well done, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> or like Chevy Chase used to say, thank you very little. Just kidding. Caddy <laughs> <laughs> has been blaring across the, uh, the airwaves during this. Uh, we're doing this interview, by the way, remotely through uh, uh, an Internet service, because obviously it's not safe to be close to people. So let's get the yeah. 100-pound gorilla out of the way. Appreciate you guys uh, being flexible. So if there's any sound anomalies in the podcast, we're not sitting in the same studio where uh, this is real radio, so to speak. Well, I can't yeah. wait to get to the point, Kevin, where uh, you got a studio because your questions are, are so 
diverse and 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 well put together that sitting in a studio and like sitting across from you right now and like talking yeah. about this I, like i can't wait for that i think it's definitely gonna go there well the studio is here we're just waiting for uh the safety uh flags and I exactly work, i work in diagnostics so i won't go long on that my prognostications but let's just go through it a day at a time yeah yeah uh we did our zoom meeting which is just it's it's interesting to see how everyone's uh <laughs> adapting to it and one of the things today was uh hey over under let's let's take a wager and whoever wins this is going to get a 25 dollar <laughs> amazon card when do you think we're going to open back up and everyone was like they're all being super optimistic i uh am a fan of history because it's something that we should learn from and i was mm. i was i don't want to say that i'm pessimistic about it i was I was I was being more real, and I, I I'm gladly in this. I would gladly let someone else that has a sooner date take that twenty five dollar Amazon gift card mm. than me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think perhaps being optimistic in your wishes, but being um, prepared for the worst, kind of gives you the best of both worlds. You know, I have a a lot of my dad would give me a lot of these. Uh, I called him Richisms because his name was Richard, and and they, you know a lot of them was the better to have it, not need it. Uh, and then the other one was, uh, hope for the best, prepare for the worst Ah, and wisdom. Yep. He dropped a lot of that. (laughs) Well, you know, he's a guy who served his country in Vietnam, as you mentioned. So he saw some real stuff. Uh, so those are words that matter from somebody who's been there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I didn't want to get all heavy there, but, uh, (laughs) let's switch gears here. I heard you guys. Go ahead. Sorry, Trevor. I'm apologies. Oh, uh, it's it's uh, it's it's real easy to get heavy because uh, you know all uh, we're surrounded by gravity. You know, there's also <laughs> there's also good stuff too. Like yeah, you know, yeah. Just like the blues, like we said, there's always uh, the good comes from tragedy. You know, it's always uh, what's the uh, what we lose in the fire we'll find in the ashes. Mm-hmm. And mm. I think finding small things you're grateful for every day is. Uh, an easy strategy to manage things on a day-by-day basis. For example, today I saw some honeybees uh, oh, nice. in my bushes, and I was thinking about, wow, there's so much trouble with, you know, I'm not going to get into, like, environmental stuff, but I'm a big champion of the environment, and uh, yeah. anytime I see things uh, surviving and thriving through uh, circumstances like these, uh, I try to look for the best, you know? It's a great way to look at it, man. I'm, I'm... I, I, every day, whether it's cold out, windy out, raining, whatever, I, I try to take an hour and sit on my front porch. I'm very fortunate to have uh, a wraparound porch that, you know, I strive for for a really long time. And I got it at a young age that I, I will take as much time as I can, even if I'm even if I'm freezing my butt off. I'll sit out there and just kind of just watch nature passes by. You know, it's that's that's the thing. It's just it's going to keep going no matter if we do or not. Yeah. Yeah. Indeed. Indeed. So, so heading back toward music a little bit, you guys made you you guys ran around the bushes a little bit, but didn't really stick out. Some uh, I heard the BGs and a couple artists, but were there any records that you either when people sorry I'm dating myself calling them records recordings I should say that uh, well, either you heard as a kid like you mentioned Queen or that you actually spent your first money on when people used to buy music that uh, influenced you and shaped who you are as a musician. So as a front guy. <clears throat> again uh you know first cd i bought was metallica and definitely like our, our music's nowhere close to uh <laughs> to sounding anything like metallica's, 
Wow. I don't know. I think we might have some heavy riffs in there somewhere. <laughs> Enter Gunslinger. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I just thought, uh, which, I mean, you've met me, Kevin. We've known each other for a minute mm-hmm. now. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I like to hang back. I very much, I enjoy being a wallflower. Uh, but when it comes to being a front guy, you know, I definitely take a lot of like that kind of presence, you know, initially, like, you know, like the little kid, like looking at the, you know, the star guy, like doing his thing. And I thought like James Hetfield was just super cool. He had like the, the power stance and, mm-hmm. and, you know, like, I think like that kind of little spark was, was with him. And then like, I didn't play anything until later in my years, um, you know, uh, into high school. I didn't start getting into it. And that was like, oh, I want to start a band and play music with my friends. And um, But if I could think of, like, I, I, I'm definitely more trying to trying to pinpoint this. So, you know, as a, as a phenomenal lead guitar player, you are, Kevin, you have your influence. You have a, a couple guys that you're like, that's that's my man that I love the way he plays and you, you, you're heavily influenced. You know, your a lot of your stuff is drenched and, you know, especially starting off. Uh, I never, I never had that. I, I kind of followed suit more with uh, singer songwriters as I got into mm-hmm. um, expressing myself. Right. Uh, so, but yeah, man, I, I try to think. Well, it's, I'm also, it's, I'm, I'm coming to a bit of a crossroad because I'm, I'm the guy that I get a new album I'll listen to that thing. Uh, if it was not digital, I'd wear it out. Uh, I would listen to the same thing for months. Oh just yeah, just on repeat, just yeah. run it through. And I look for albums that, you know, start to finish. I could just put them on and enjoy the whole thing all the way through. And then I got to a point where I felt like I was not doing justice to the musician. So I started getting into listening to records. Uh, so no dating as well. You know, you know, good stuff when it's out there and because it forces you to sit down and actually listen to it. And, you know, the feel good uh, of, you know, hearing the, that that hiss of the vinyl. And I listened to it on my mom's record player that she had for who knows how long that's in my house now. And she always hounds me. I need my record player. I'm like, you're not going to use it. But I, <laughs> um, one of the good times was uh, Willie Nelson's Stardust. And Ooh. I was like, this is so good. And I, uh, I wanted to, yeah, there's just so many people, but you know, someone who influenced me starting an original band is actually a pretty new band right now. Um, uh, is uh, Nathaniel Rateliff and the night sweats, which, uh, they, you know, they're absolutely phenomenal. And he's got a story of his own of how he was about to hang it up. And then, you know, they got, they, they just like, it was, the, the the planets aligned and it worked out now mm-hmm. they're doing their thing well everything's on hold right now but, but they and also i will apologize I, t- I tend to ramble um <laughs> I, lose, I lose track of what we were talking about <laughs> well well we were just talking about people who inspired you to like um buy records and get involved in music so it, there's no wrong answer you've you've done great yeah man how about you, Eric? Is there anything that you heard as a, as a kid? I mean, you mentioned some things, but it, was there one piece that you couldn't wait to acquire because it just struck you so hard? And oh man, I you know I've always been a huge David Bowie fan, and you know, and to, 70s bands in general. I mean, I I think the 70s were such a 
such an interesting time because there's a lot of experimental stuff coming out and a lot of really solid bands had just amazing hits but yeah da- david bowie's always mm-hmm. been one of my big ones you know i mean when i was younger i uh, you know i actually was really into like punk rock and and a little too. bit of metal i mean but not a, but more so punk just because of the energy of it mm-hmm. you know that's always that's one thing i love about playing live is getting that energy mm-hmm. and you know the the in enjoyment of of that you know so i mean you know when i was younger i mean like uh one of the one of the songs that really made me want to learn bass was actually it was metallica it was um orion off master of puppets through the song like everything drops out and it's just this booted 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 i was like oh man you know and it's like that and like pink floyd really kind of like i was like yeah i want to play bass like roger waters and, you know it's I mean, my my influences are all over the place really but um yeah definitely a, a lot of a lot of 70s music and a little bit of like punk mm-hmm. and um that definitely like david bowie any kind of kind of jazzier stuff too always just gets me going you know mm-hmm. um so his black but, star record his his last work must have been a big deal for you too mixing oh yeah jazz yeah 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 i mean and it bowie had such a such an interesting career and you know Mm. and honestly i've always i've always loved bands with concept albums too like i like Mm -hmm. because you know i mean when i when i was uh in high school like i was you know art was one of my main focuses just like art and music were pretty much my uh the things that kept me going to school Mm -hmm. um (laughs) right but, um, you know, so it, any artist that can, you know, tell a story and then if you can link like a, a whole album, you know, get like 12 tracks that all like have themes or a, an overarching plot. I mean, that that's that's what's always uh, caught my eye, you know, and just storytellers in general. That's one of my favorite things about music. One of my favorite things about Trevor, too, is he's a he's. He's not just writing, you know, like pop songs with, with uh, cheesy lyrics. He's got, mm-hmm. you know, feeling and emotion and uh, mm-hmm. storytelling mind. So, yeah, you're, make, you're making me blush. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it, it's cool. Everybody has this mutual admiration society going. Uh, you're you're all too kind uh, all around, which is cool because that's what music should be about. It's about appreciating uh, what everybody brings to the table. So I, I, I love the spirit of that that you guys in general, yeah, well, in you know, and and especially and and it extends to a lot of you know local bands and stuff. You know that I, you know I I feel I've always felt that as you know artists and musicians. You know, um, unfortunately, certain people tend to try and make it like a competition, but really, mm-hmm. it's you know you're just creating, and the more you get to do that, the more people you get to share it with and create with, and mm-hmm. you know share the stage with, or you know what have you. I mean, I, that's always a beautiful thing to me. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all doing the same thing, man. That's yeah, indeed. So again, guys, uh, it, it's cool to hear where your influences came from and who uh, who got you in, involved in the in the art to begin with. So let, let's let's jump to present times today. Who uh, are there any particular muses or instruments or writing partners that inspire you and in how you create the original music you guys play today? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> that's always a that's always a tough one. I mean. Oh, it's such a great question, though. Like, yeah, this is, this is yeah. <laughs> after you, Crow. Okay. Well, well, for me as a bassist, I, you know, 
I, I, I do enjoy like coming up with stuff myself, but I find that some of the best baselines, you know, you have to kind of write sympathetically with someone. So hmm. I find that, you know, in, in both in the floods and in the puppets, I mean, a lot of our songs come out of, you know, someone's got a riff idea and we'll sit there and kind of try it out and try different, you know, and I'll try different approaches, you know, whether it's like doing like a run or like, just like hitting some root notes or, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, but uh, yeah, as far as, uh, as far as creating, that's, that's usually how I like to write things is um, collaboratively, even if it's just, we're like, we just go, all right, let's just see what we can come up with and do like a little blues pattern or something. Um, I, I, I've, I'm very much more an, an improviser when it comes to writing, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've, uh, been lucky enough to, to be playing with, with solid people that, um, you know, can, can hold down a groove like, you know, and that, that really helps for writing songs. If you can not just kind of noodle all over the place, but try and find a steady groove as the, you know, the beginnings at least of a song. Um, and, you know, just kind of go from there, you know? Sounds like the jamming part that you mentioned, uh, drawing energy from the audience is a similar process with the writing process, if I can read between the lines there, how you feel about the other people playing. Yeah, you. yeah, exactly. You know, and, uh, you know, and you know, you got something good if uh, uh, it's something that, like, you don't have to think too much about what you're going to do next. If you mm-hmm. can just kind of go, oh, I know it would sound nice here. Mm-hmm. Almost you an know? instinct of sorts, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. How about you, Trev? Man, I am a creature of influence. Uh, that's kind of how all of my the, the writing came about. Uh, I this is also it's a weird subject that I've I've always had difficulty uh, getting it. Just talking about it, I'm, I'm definitely try not to. I always feel weird talking about myself. Uh, but a majority of the the flood songs. Uh, at least starting out, mm-hmm. um, I would I would write the the bare bones to it, um, either sitting at my dining room table, sitting on the edge of my bed, and it would be whatever was influencing me, like whatever I listened to, um, and but I I would purposely not tell the rest of the guys, and I and mm-hmm. for a writing process I'd come in and be like, hey guys, this is what I have, so I would have a basic structure, and I wouldn't tell them who influenced me because i knew if i did that it kind of puts the mindset into they're like oh okay so like to me this song like we'll say song a uh was inspired by the eagles mm-hmm. and i wrote it and to me it, it got that it's got like an eagles vibe to it i'm not going to tell the rest of the guys that you know that's who inspired me because i want them to have their own take on it um kind mm-hmm. of the uh uh and that's a, accepting the autonomy of art, you know, like once you play it for someone, once you turn that painting around and someone else sees it beside you, it's not yours anymore, uh, which is a, a, a strange and it, it's a difficult thing to do. It mm-hmm. w- at least for me, it was to give up uh, control over something that, you know, you kind of poured your heart into. But, you, you know, when you're surrounded by incredibly talented musicians um, who give a crap about you and about the song, mm-hmm. you know, it's in good hands. So that's that's kind of the, the vibe of the floods, like starting off. And even some of the stuff that we do now, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, would be 
you know, coming in with a structure of a song and be like, hey, guys, this is what I got. And everyone would listen to it and Crow would put down his. And, and like nine times out of ten, I don't have to tell anyone be like, oh, you know, I was thinking more of this instead of what you're doing. It's absolutely everything that they put together and everyone's layering of the song and they're playing for the song mm-hmm. just makes it a flood song. And that's what uh, I'm, I'm incredibly fortunate and lucky to have uh, people like that. Um, to be able to create these songs. Yeah, indeed. That's, uh, I think music is kind of a higher level of communication that when like-minded people get in the room, there's often doesn't have to be words between people, but there's some kind of, uh, thing. I don't know what to call it that people can almost uh, like an energy. Yeah. Yeah. You got the buzz of the amps going on and the hum (laughs) from the microphones and everyone's got like that. It's that frequency that's, that's running through everyone's body because, you know, if you want to go like technical term, like we're all in a room with it's got a lot of uh, a lot of electricity going on, so maybe that kind of adds to it. <laughs> right. Well, and like most quantum physicists have shown, most of all the atoms were made up is like ninety nine point nine 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 oh five percent energy and point oh 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 five percent matter. So yeah, has to yeah. be Makes something sense, to yeah. that. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so. Hey, how about any, any musical artists that you've just heard them drop some music today or that you're really grooving on? They don't have to be current, but who's who's inspiring you right now that you're you're hearing? Not that you want to copy them or sound like them, but you know, there's we like to turn people onto cool music that other musicians are digging. So, who comes to mind? Man, I got I got a list, but um, <laughs> I, I kind of mentioned it before. Um, everything that uh, Nathaniel Rayliff and the Night Sweats is doing mm-hmm. right now, I am just all about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it and I, it almost because I am so influenced by him, and I love everything he's doing. I was like, all right, well, I can't do that because people are going to be like, oh, well, we know what you're listening to right now. So <laughs> I kind of I kind of pull back a little bit, but. Uh, you know, um, I, I recommend those guys, uh, Nathaniel Ray and the Night Sweats to anyone that wants to listen. It's just, it's feel good music mm-hmm. and they're, they're pumping out just quality stuff. Everything that's coming out is fantastic. And then, uh, a band that I got to befriend, um, and they're, they're so, they're just the nicest guys. They're from Saskatoon, Canada, and they are the Sheepdogs, Sheepdogs. and they are phenomenal. Uh, I highly recommend them. Mm-hmm. Uh, influencing me as a songwriter at the moment is uh, to make myself as a better player, a better writer, and really dive deep and not being afraid to say what's on my mind. Um, no matter how corny it could sound, like you know when you first initially look at it, and it's all about how how it comes across would be uh jason isbell um and he's kind of a a, a country i'm familiar with him good artist uh, oh he's, he's so phenomenal and he uh again it's 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 all about sharing music my my our friend greg Maynard's the our, our drummer that comes in and takes care of us and you know lays just he's so solid mm-hmm. i started listening to his duo and then returned hopped on when our buddy Dan can't play. And those guys uh, just gave me, uh, just listening to their sets, I'm like, I literally have in my notes, like uh, they call themselves the rumors. I have like rumor songs and I just write it down because it's stuff that I like, I never heard, which I should have heard in a long time. But 
you know, lately, you know, we just lost him last week. I've been listening to for the past two months, two or three months. I've listened to a lot of John Prine. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. And you know, I, I, I felt like I'd only been listening to him for three months, but I felt like I've been listening to him my entire life. And, you know, we're, lo- we lost, we're losing and we've lost a lot of good people to, you know, everything that's going on right now. But, you know, John Prine really, it's like, you know, a guy, you meet someone, you felt like, you know, in your entire life and then they pass and you're like, you're, you're, you're devastated. And it, it just, it's incredible that in the short time that I've been listening to him and watching interviews, and I didn't realize how much he was inspiring me as a songwriter um, until he was gone. And it's just, and I, I mean, he's, he's done that for countless people. Was there anything in particular about him that moved you that much, Trevor, that you could put your finger on, or is it just the whole experience? Oh, you know, Greg and I, it was me, Greg, and Dan, um, fantastic musicians. Those those guys are a little bit older than me, but they've been nothing but supportive, and, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just, they're fantastic. We we all sat outside, we played a gig, and we were talking about John Prine, and we're talking about how a man could open up a song with I am an old woman named after my mother and uh, 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 an immature me, or even, you know, a couple years ago, someone who didn't really, you know, who kind of overanalyzed lyrics would have been like, you're not an old woman, you're a man, you know, just <laughs> so, so top code of it. But then like, as soon as he says that line, you know, I am an old woman named after my mother. Like I was already into the song. I'm like, I'm, I'm into it. And I'm picturing this. And, and, you know, going through that whole, that whole thing of just how he could write about anyone. And, you know, I listened to uh, George, George Saunders and Jason Isbell do a, uh, um, kind of like what we're doing, just sitting down and talking about music and how, how, it, how it powers you. And he talks about John Prine and, they talk about uh, writing a song about not you. You know, I write a lot of songs that are uh, about me, and um, I've noticed uh, a couple of the songs are kind of kind of love letters to myself, maybe even my past self and future self of just like, uh, mm. you know, we got a song called Gone, and, you know, it's... The lyrics are, I want you um, to run with the devil on your heels. I mean, that's not the lyrics, but I'm paraphrasing my own lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. You can take license. It's your song. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's that thing. And, you know, that the fact that John Prine could write about almost an imaginary character, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, and have such a moving story that's something that I'm trying to dip my toes into is, is writing a, a song about almost an imaginary person and like telling a story about, you know, <clears throat> almost a fictional character. And it's, it's definitely harder than, than uh, I anticipated. Well, you know, I, I've noticed a lot of people that inspire me who are, you know, well-paid and famous have, have made that jump from very personal lyrics to, writing in character and, and being able to see something cinematically or almost like a film from another person's perspective. So I, 
I think that's an interesting development that's happened in your songwriting. So uh, look forward to seeing you explore that some more. Well, I appreciate that. That's a kind of kind of a segue into Gunslinger, which uh, it's a fun story, and I'm sure you would. Uh, I don't know if I ever told you about it, but no, it definitely makes it. It'll make for some great content. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're familiar with the song? I know uh, it well. It's definitely inspired. Uh, like it's got that western kind of feel to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so uh, the lyric "El hombrecito," which I'm more than likely butchering the the, uh, the Spanish uh, to that. Uh, I pretty much just Googled it. Mm. I wrote that song um, about my Chihuahua <laughs> and. <laughs> Uh, Ombre, Ombre, El Ombrecito or Ombrecito trans, roughly translates to the young man or the little man or the tiny man or small man <laughs> and his name was Little Man you know not a very creative name for a dog but uh, so he was 16 when he died and I said you know I'm going to write a song about uh, Little Man and I Grew up watching westerns. Uh, my dad loved westerns. I love westerns, and I, so I started writing this song about the Chihuahua being a uh, uh, a gunslinger from Mexico, and he would meet these different characters coming up. And I'm also a huge Tarantino fan, and you know, like I said, creature of influence. So many different uh, elements that were involved into this, and. In, in the song, uh, the little man, Ombrecito, meets uh, Sheriff Murphy, which is based off of my childhood Labrador, who was the best dog that we ever had. He was noble. He, would, he was a farm dog. He'd just do his own thing. And then everything that El Ombrecito learned, he learned it from the tall man. And that's literally, that's my dad. Uh, and the only reason he got the name of the tall man was because obviously it's a chihuahua and a human. So, uh, but it, you know, it all kind of worked out and, but it's so crazy to, uh, when someone's like, Oh, you know, how did you write that? I'm like, I don't know if I really want to tell you about that because it's going to sound not as cool. (laughs) I don't know. I think it's a a really unique perspective to, to, to do a song and, uh, sorry to hear he passed. Lo siento muchacho. Yeah, he was a good little good little dog. My dad called him. He was, a, you know, one of those. He was. He came from Champion Bloodline, and my dad would call him his million dollar dog. And my dad was one of those dads that, like, you know, I don't want to. I don't want no damn dog. And then next thing you know, he's feeding him uh, toast, and you know, just all doing all that stuff. It's just it was, you know, man was a uh, six feet tall and bulletproof, and mm. you know, seeing seeing a soft side like that, and but yeah. Uh, and that's the cool thing about writing music and playing music is inspiration can come from anything. Mm-hmm. Anything you'd like to add from your side, Eric, or uh, your perspective? Oh, well, um, you know, I, as far as uh, current stuff I'm listening to, I mean, I'm all, I've always got just, uh, like I said, my music tastes are vast and varied. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I have been listening to a lot of John Prine lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I share Trevor's sentiment that man, he was a he was a amazing songwriter with that ability to just capture whole stories and jokes and just uh, you, you know. And again, you do feel like you know him by listening to him sing. 
Oh, like oh. Sam Stone. That's mm. sorry, not not to interrupt again. I just like again. <laughs> I'm huge on John Prine right now, and Sam Stone. I've listened to it so many times; it still makes me weep. It's just. Mm. Indeed, dig it. Uh, so we we talked about Bowie a, a while earlier, and he's got such a you know vast catalog. I'm also a fan. I'm just curious, Eric, uh, is there one particular album or song that just blows you away from time to time, or that strikes um, you? Got the the concept album vibe. A lot of great hits on that album. That album, you know, it's always had a special place in my heart and just, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal players on it. Like the arranging is great. The production's great. And, and, you know, it's just a lot of like relatable songs too. like, you know, the, the whole album's powerful. But um, yeah, yeah, that's definitely that's definitely my top Bowie album. But um, but yeah, so uh, you could. You can circle back with Trev now. <laughs> well, no, no, it's fine. I, I think there's an interesting yeah. theme I'm hearing from you guys subconsciously. And, you know, Trevor's working on writing from characters and a lot of concept records like Bowie's records where he adopted mm-hmm. the Thin White Duke or Ziggy Stardust. And I think he honestly wrote from those perspectives as well, if, if, you, do, if you indulge my perspective there. Absolutely. Um, can I hop back? I, I just It popped in my head when sure. Eric was talking about, like, full album again i get this very distracted and just go down like um it's a conversation one album man. and it's 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 fairly new mm-hmm. uh that just blew me away and a lot of people are kind of indifferent about him because you know going through his history he's been kind of a jerk but john mayer mm-hmm. um i didn't give him i was like oh yeah the dude's uh, an amazing guitar player you know i can't you can't discredit that but it wasn't until i bought and i bought it one of the things I saw it in, um, I think it was second and Charles, it was the born and raised album. And I bought it based off the, the cover. Mm. And I was like, this is gorgeous. And, and I put it on and I was like, one of those things where I was like, I'm going to sit down and listen to an album, start to finish. And I think I had two, two vinyls in it. Mm. And that whole album start to finish. is just like, He's got a lyric, and it says, uh, looking for the song that Neil Young hummed back in the gold rush of 1971. Mm, and it's so it's so good. And he writes this song called uh, Walk Race Submarine Ride. Um, and you could swear that it was about a real dude. It was about a real person. And you feel for it, and you get teary-eyed. But start to finish, like you, you, you see this guy, he locked himself away in Montana and it was right before he had throat surgery and he's got mm-hmm. a song on her says someone speak for me. And, mm-hmm. and you're just like, you kind of feel this remorse of like, uh, having the keys to like this, the fastest car in the world handed to you. And then like, you know, just being, you know, being the best and like being cocky like that. And then he goes into the, does this album and I'm like, what are you, this is amazing. So like, to see how music kind of you can constantly be reinvent yourself um <laughs> just like we were saying with david bowie you know mm-hmm. one of those guys that's just always ever changing and that's that's the beautiful thing about music is the fact that you don't have to stick to one thing because it's 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 everywhere it's so much it's so mm-hmm. it's yeah it's just everything indeed 
And as a guitar player, I have to say, uh, have to give Mayer credit because Paul Reed Smith built him that Strat copy that's better than a Strat, <laughs> and uh, nobody built one for me yet. So <laughs> good for give him. it time. <laughs> good, good for him. Uh, you know, and he he he's popular in a lot of circles, and he's. Uh, well, honestly, I I always kind of saw him as oh, it's John Mayer, you know, writes the cheesy love songs. But then, you know, I'm also a huge Deadhead, and I I you know I went and saw Dead and Company a couple times, and man, like you know, he's not Jerry, but he's got his own style, and he can rip, and he yeah. can he can hang in there with all the rest of the guys. You know, it's it's pretty impressive. Absolutely, he can shred. There's no doubt about it. I saw I saw the man take a solo, which. Before I'd, I'd never seen anyone else do it, but it's uh, people have been doing it for a while. But he took a solo. It's the Live in L.A. album, where he does acoustic. He does the John Mayer trio with Steve Jordan and Pino Palladino, which is both, you know, to be able to play with those two guys, right? And you know, to hold your own with those two phenomenal musicians, and, and just a three piece. Yeah. So then he comes out, and I think it's the song Gravity. He plays a solo above the nut on the guitar with a harmonic and he's bending the string above the nut. Yeah. Blew my mind. I'm like, <laughs> what? <laughs> Definitely innovative technique, you know, among mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So uh let let's jump let's jump the track here a little bit and let's talk about uh, uh you know you obviously have been influenced by a number of people and uh you know if Kevin's got the magic uh, cell phone here, and I've got a Rolodex full of numbers, if you remember what a Rolodex was. You can call any uh, <laughs> famous rock artist on the market today, any you know, as famous as you want. Who would you call for advice on how to move your career forward, or who would you want to listen to? Man, that's such a great question, man. Dead or alive. These are, these are all fantastic questions. Man, uh, that's... I'm literally like running through all the people. I'm like, ah, uh, yeah, mm, maybe. Uh. <laughs> Go with your first instinct. There's no wrong answer, by the way. <laughs> oh man, that's a tough one. We can come back to it later if you yeah, want. Yeah. Um. Let's let's jettison that one for now, and I'll cut that. Yeah, out yeah. I'll, I'll I'll ponder that a little bit. That's a really good question, Kevin. Though. That, like, yeah. I'm, I am like rolling through so many people that have influenced me. And trying to think of someone who I like, I would love to just sit down and be like, "Hey, man, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing right?" Right. Yeah. Super easy question. Uh, you know, you guys are human beings, and not everybody drinks alcohol. Some people like it, some people don't. But do you have a beverage of choice? And what are you uh, what are you enjoying most these days during our self isolation? Oh man, uh, my my beverage of choice is all of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, you know, I uh, I I've, I've always loved rum, so I I like rum and coke. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm also also a bourbon drinker, you know, and you know I gotta gotta pace myself these days because I can't drink like I used to. But uh, you know, currently I'm uh, sipping on a sipping on a sixty man. Had a couple uh, little swigs of some old granddad. Yeah, again, I you know we we didn't we didn't get top, top shelf stuff because we wanted it to last uh, last a while. Understood. These times <laughs> so, are difficult. So. You gotta do what you gotta do, right? Mm -hmm. How about you, Trevor? I much like uh, my musical influence. I was a uh, late bloomer. I came to drinking, but I, I I really got into bourbon, and I started off as a Maker's Mark guy, mm -hmm. and then I found. Uh, 
my absolute favorite. And I, it's one of those things where you find a band that you love and you want to share it with everyone. You're like, Hey, you need to listen to this guy. It's mm-hmm. just, uh, if you, if you enjoy bourbon, I highly recommend Jefferson's ocean. And it is, mm. it's, yeah. so, it's such a unique <laughs> bourbon because it, it, it's, it's aged at sea. Um, so they take it out on boats and, you know, and it goes into different climates and it, 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 it changes the way the bourbon tastes, uh, and, you know, and it's sloshing around so they don't have to turn the barrels. And, uh, I think my favorite voyage, we're on voyage 20 now. Mm. And I think my favorite, <laughs> my favorite voyage is voyage 13. Uh, it came to the port of Baltimore and it just happened to be the, the perfect blend for me of sweet and smoky. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it's absolutely my favorite. Uh, I love it. Um, it's like the go-to, which I, I'm very fortunate because my <laughs> friends, you know, when it comes to a birthday, you kind of like, you know, like, oh, what are we going to get? I'm like, oh, I'll get him a bottle of bourbon. And then they realize that that's what I drink. And they're like, and then they show up and they give it to me. I was like, you seriously did not have to do that because I know what I pay for it. <laughs> but it is, <laughs> it's so good. And it's actually become my go-to uh, gift as well. If I know someone likes bourbon, mm-hmm. um, and it's, it's like, it's like gifting someone that your favorite album and, you know, it's, it's, you know, gifting them that bourbon because it brings me so much joy. Um, and I, 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 I've never been much of, uh, a party drinker. Uh, like I said, I'm very much a wallflower. So I like to sit back and sip on my bourbon, add a little bit of water to it and, uh, just enjoy it. Just like, a it's it's like listening to the blues, man. Um, <laughs> that's why I like uh, sipping on bourbon. But I always have a have a, have a, a whiskey and a water. Um, so that's my go-to. If you see me with a a glass of bourbon, I've got a glass of water sitting right next to it. Because right. uh, I don't like to feel like crap. <laughs> Hydration's key. It is absolutely. Well, and you know, self-care is an important thing in these times we live in with self-isolation and distancing and all social distancing and all that. So I've been asking people on the podcast, you know, a lot of people go out shopping, which is risky, but there's a lot of restaurants trying to stay afloat and they're doing takeout service. Do you have a a go-to takeout that's your favorite uh, takeout place at this point? So yeah, my my favorite place that I, I try to get down support because it's the same place where I would host my open mic every other week. Mm-hmm. The Grand Run Tap Room. Right. Um, like I said, I'm fortunate enough to be working, so I am at least at least twice a week. Uh, I love to cook, so mm-hmm. I don't really go out and eat too much. But the Grand, you know, it's one where I would go down to there and you know just see the guys that that took care of me. So I'm trying to give it back to them because you know they've been amazing as as a local. You know, as a, a Maryland guy, we don't have a whole lot of bars that appreciate original music mm-hmm. uh, like uh, like Delaware, like Wilmington. Uh, that's, you know, original scene is, you know, Wilmington's my home. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the local support, it's the Grand Run Tap Room. They have phenomenal food. Uh, I'm real good friends with all the people down there. Cool. How about you, Eric? And we've been joined by Eric's uh, lovely wife, Gabby. Uh, do you guys have a favorite takeout place that you've been frequenting during the uh, social distancing? Well, actually, um, you know, uh, we, we have our, my father-in-law living with us who's, who's elderly and at risk. So we've been trying not to eat out, but 
Gabby's been uh, whipping up some uh, tasty meals for us, so I haven't missed it too much. Although, uh, you know, I I'm mean, tired of cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, but but yeah, you know, we've just been uh, just mostly been doing home meals and stuff. Makes but sense. Uh, apparently, he eats out for lunch. I haven't eaten anything <laughs> I didn't make in over a month. Yeah, I do. There is a there is a, a taco place near my work that uh, we frequent pretty often because it's just really good, you know, homemade, awesome, legitimate Mexican food, and mm-hmm. you know, small business. So try to support them so that uh, they can continue making that those delicious uh, meals for us. <laughs> Indeed, I'm a big uh, big big taco fan myself, and other southwestern slash Mexican dishes. Very nice. Oh yeah. I'll have to ask a personal question to Eric Crow. How much do you miss uh, Monday night dinners at the? Uh... Oh. oh my God! I, 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 no offense to Gabby, but Trevor is one of the best cooks that I know. I mean, he, the man knows how to how to make a steak. Um, I so uh, Kevin, as a little thing, while while we're kind of like in between a drummer and to kind of build, um, you know, that band of brothers and just. I, my, I guess my love language is, is cooking for people. And, and so every Monday um, or every, every other Monday, anytime we can try, when we get together, we try to we jam one Monday and then I'd have the guys down to the house um, and I would cook for them because a lot of them are coming from Wilmington. Jared lives in Wilmington. Sure. Eric lives in Wilmington. Um, the rest of the guys are local. So it's good to get, you know, they, they don't have to go too far. So my gift is as they come down and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll cook them a a big meal because you know these guys are missing dinner time because it's right around that time when they come down so mm. you know cook a big old um london broil and yeah and i try to like mix it up because i i live by myself so i try to like try different things and recently um even with going on uh with you know this uh self-quarantine and and shut in mm-hmm. i uh i got into making like neapolitan style pizza Sweet. um so yeah, I like to I like to create if uh, we haven't noticed yet. <laughs> That's great, man. Well, you know, I think it helps people get to know uh, who you are as people better on the podcast for the audience. But it also maybe gives a shout out to some local places like Granite Run, et cetera, that uh, deserve a little bit of our support because they've done so much for us during normal times. So uh, yeah. absolutely, you mentioned there's some other places. You know, we talked about some bigger gigs you've played over the years with the floods you've, you've played a, a, a bunch of cool places um you want to talk about some of the bigger venues and then also some of the places that favor original music that that we'd like to give a shout out to as well absolutely yeah uh i'll kind of this is another thing where i'll i'll, I'll kind of go through the the timeline of then when when eric crow came in you know as a band starting off you you know you're looking for any kind of a uh, place that you can play your own music and uh you know not taking away from anyone else but one of my favorite places that just for music fans in general and uh the uh the owner and you know the the in the staff itself but oddity bar has always been so kind and i love pat because he always comes up and i you know i'll, I'll bleep myself out but he'd be like i loves you guys and, and it's like my favorite thing when he comes up and says that and you know he sits at that because he runs sound you know he's the owner but he's also running sound and he's pumping the lights and he's pumping out the fog and 
when we're playing as the floods, my favorite thing to do is look over in that little window and just watch him rocking out and hitting the fog machine. And, yeah. and then just seeing everyone <laughs> packed in to a little room mm-hmm. and they're just like, everyone's enjoying the music. And yeah, so Oddity Bar, it gets, gets uh, first dibs for me when it comes to original music scene mm-hmm. in, in Delaware. Uh, but then, you know, we can move on to you know, just right up the block, you know, uh, 84 is fantastic. I know Crow plays there a lot. Um, yeah, plus yeah. I haven't played there too many times, um, but I've seen a, I've seen a, a few shows and I, you know, I enjoy it. Uh, Matt, right. Matt's the owner at, the, yeah, Matt Audrey, at uh, mm-hmm. 84. And then, you know, I got to give a shout to uh, Gable Music Ventures. You know, we've worked with them as the mm-hmm. floods for a lot, you know, a lot of stuff, Absolutely. you know, they, um, I think they were involved with Music Armageddon, and that really helped, like, kind of get us out there from, you know, being a Maryland boys, you know, a Maryland band coming into, you know, our neighbor state. You know, they've helped us get a lot of really cool gigs. They've been uh, super kind to us. Um, and then, you know, it's all about helping each other out. I know a, a lot of these places, uh, big and small, you know, are taking a hit. You know, and it's it's. It's 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 a shame. I do like a little uh, live feed every Thursday, and mm-hmm. it's cool to see people hop on and make comments and throw some requests out there. And but I mean, I miss just playing to people. I didn't realize, you know, like we kind of we kind of do this for ourselves, but we also do it for other people. Right. And right now, I I, I give anything to just sweat with people in Oddity Bar right now and just play some music. <laughs> right. And, you know, you bring up a good point and, you know, I'm lucky to be working myself. So once in a while, there's a GoFundMe that goes through on Facebook and it's for bartenders and people who are working in the biz who are out of work. And, you know, I, I'm not spending money at the bar, so I might as well, you know, throw my what I usually spend in a weekend toward those guys. And I try to support them when we can. So you bring up a really good point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, a, it's another cool thing that, you know, I'm fortunate to be able to do. I, uh, a couple of local bars where I play um, in the Granite Run Taproom, for example, they let me take over their live feed, and you know the the they let me put my personal uh, Venmo up there, and then they've got theirs, and you know it's cool to see people, you know, contributing and giving back to them, and you know I'm I'm happy that the Granite Run Taproom, you know, whenever they do a special, they they sell out like the first night, so they're they're scrambling to get more stuff, so. You know, it's really good, but there's still a lot of people that are out of work. Um, and even like moving on to the bigger venues that we've played. Mm. Uh, I know when we kind of revamped and kind of molded and changed the, the floods lineup, uh, one of our first gigs back was uh, the crown stage at the at the Queen. And that was that was uh, Eric's first gig with the floods. Um, yeah, it's a great room. Great stage, it is. great it's, room, great sound. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, uh, it, it was cool to like, you know, and Crow, not, not taken away from anyone else, <laughs> but, you know, Crow was super just anytime he would, we would talk about it. Cause I'd be like, all right, well, our next gig, we did that one. And then we go back and we, we, we iron out any kind of kinks and, and, you know, really get our, try and get as tight as we can. Cause you know, that's the best compliment to get as a band. When someone tells you, tells you that you're really tight. It's like the, like, the yeah. best compliment as a band. Um, so, 
you know, and then the next gig I think we played was, man, was it the Tom Petty gig, Crow? Um, I, I think there was something in between that. I'm sure we, we played like, you know, it's not taking away from like, you know, smaller gigs, like the yeah, I, I, or I, anything like that, but you know, yeah, that was, that was the next, uh, that was the next big gig, I think. Yeah, that been, was a, a couple months afterwards, you know, and real, I, real fortunate, uh, and that's like one of the things that Eric told me. He was just like, oh, I can't believe we're, you know, we're, we're doing this, like this next gig. And we got to open up for uh, uh, Southern Accents, the ultimate Tom Petty tribute um, at downstairs at the Queen. And those guys were so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, man. I'll, I'll let Eric talk. Uh, go ahead and talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Eric, oh, that's all right, man. For you, man. How, how'd that go for you? Oh man, that that was a, that was a treat, man. Anytime you get to play the the main stage at the Queen, it's it's always fun, you know. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Trevor Trevor covered the the local music scene for me pretty good as well. I mean, you know, gotta love. I mean, Pat at Audi Bar and Matt over at uh, 1984, and you know, I I don't know the guys at the the tap room as well as Trevor, but I mean, they've always uh, kind of rolled out the red carpet for us, which is nice, you know. And, yeah but um but yeah you know and and, and yeah i mean uh, that's that uh, um we were fortunate to have a bunch of really fun uh gigs not just the small ones but uh, i mean the small ones are fun man honestly i love i love the intimacy of smaller venues you know i mean it's it's nice playing big stages but you know there's something about being able to to see everyone that you're playing to you know I'm getting to play with, uh, be on a bill with your, your friends, the other yeah, friends that, yeah. that, that you love playing with and you love seeing and you love feeding off the energy. And it's just, that's one of my favorite things to do is putting together a lineup with you, with your buddies. Um, mainly because it's a little selfish because it's like, Oh, I really want to hear these guys. I haven't been able to hear them in a minute. Like, Hey, you guys want to play a bill with us? Right. <laughs> Especially with everybody playing different gigs in different locations. It's not always easy for musicians to see oh, other, yeah. other bands. So that's a good point. And I think a lot of bigger bands also to lament, you know, who've graduated to bigger theaters and and stadiums. I I hear a lot of uh, fondness of those tight, sweaty clubs where you the audience is right on top of you, and uh, it's it's a very uh, very visceral experience. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of, uh, you know, that's those are some great clubs, and I I think that. Uh, it's great you guys shouted out to all those guys. They're all fantastic, and I I, I could only echo your uh, your sentiments. But let's let's say you could wave a magic wand and and open up a dream gig and uh, open up for anybody in the planet that's just missed. You know, we're we're in 2020, 2021, Whenever we're allowed to go to stadiums again or big acts and big big gigs, who would you open up for? If you could choose anybody, There's, again with the great questions, man. Uh, this, yeah, I put this one with the, uh, the, who would you ask for advice and <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Crow. <laughs> oh man. All right. You know, there's no wrong answer. It's <laughs> very true. Um, dude, honestly, Neil Young, I mean, he's, uh, you know, amazing. You know, Trevor talked a little bit about, you know, seeing him live and seeing him rip that guitar, but he's also an amazing star. Yeah, I, I think uh, dream opening act for me would probably be Neil Young. Yeah. You know? Very cool. Yeah, just 
just solid dude, amazing musician, and seems like a very interesting. I mean, I'm sure he's kind of introverted, but you know, it'd be be nice to kind of rub elbows a little bit. Well, he's not, <laughs> he's not just been a famous rock star kind of guy, from what I know about him. He's been a big advocate of you know helping out uh, farmers and other people who are you know down on their luck and. He certainly yeah. has some special needs uh, in his, his personal family, so he's been an advocate for those those diseases as well. So he's a solid cat, whether you like it. Yeah, exactly. Not. He's a he's a very you know because there's there's some you know rock stars or famous people that you're like you know I love what they do, but man, do they seem like a jerk, <laughs> yeah. you know? And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's one of those people that it's like you know no he's he's a good dude. He's he's one of the good ones. The real McCoy. Yeah. <laughs> how about how about you, Trevor? Anybody jumped into your brain while you were listening to the Neil Young uh, answer? I mean, that's 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 fantastic, and I definitely wouldn't turn down opening up for Neil Young. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's you know, I got to see him at Farm Aid. You know, you're talking about his his support, and I got to see so many other so many other bands, and there's a lot of bands that I would love to play. Uh, I would love to open up for. Um, man, yeah, because I, I, it's, it's, I try to think of who we would, you know, gel with, and that's like kind of like dipping back into the like setting up a lineup of like, you know, putting on a good show, like something that like you know these people are gonna enjoy mm-hmm. uh, all the way through. Can we can we do like past too? Like they could yeah, they, they not be around? Yeah, there's no rules, man. This is it's our podcast. No it's our rules. Magic band. I would love to open up for the Allman Brothers. Uh, like or even like the like any iteration that is around right now, like the uh the like there's like the Allman Brothers like band thing. It's got like you know, they pretty much pay tribute to the Allman Brothers. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Modern band, it would be a toss up between uh, the Night Sweats yep. and the Foo Fighters. Honestly, mm. I, would, I would just, I, I got to see the Foo Fighters two years ago and they played for like five hours. It was ridiculous. But the, <laughs> the, the Struts opened up for them. Another good band. And yeah, oh yeah, they were fantastic. But I just, I saw like, I feel like just, just it, you know you'd be like sitting in like the little green room like we sat in the queen and like you know dave Grohl would walk over and you just be like you know just start talking to you like you're like nothing you know and you know that would also be uh kind of bouncing back to your question on who we would talk to about advice Indeed. and and although not the kind of genre um uh, that we are in mm-hmm. of music but i i think Dave Grohl would definitely be one of those guys to to talk about, you know, yeah. talk to him about that. Well, his knowledge is so encyclopedic, and I think he's got a he's famous for having a network, having come up through like emo, or like punk back in the day from the DC hardcore scene all the way through Nirvana, and then look at movies like Sound City and things like that, where he's interacted with everybody from Stevie Nicks and yeah. So yeah. He, he, you know, I think you made a wise choice. You're uh, you and some of my other friends on the first podcast uh, have a uh, heated agreement about Dave Grohl as a good guy to talk to. So, must you know, be the right actually, guy. it's it's funny you say that. Just now, since you just said that, I remembered that that uh, uh, Kirby Matt, yeah, 
yeah, Kirby and Matt were talking about that, and that's it's he's one of those guys. Like even if you're not like a heavy Foo Fighters uh, fan, you just you know he's he's just the coolest. Yeah, yeah. He he he's just one of the humblest dudes, and and he's no no BS and tells you how it is, but he's also kind. You know he's. When we're off the podcast, I'll tell you my Dave Grohl story, but it's not uh, it's not about him or me tonight. So leave that to people's <laughs> imagination. I, I'm a big fan too, just to to say that. So uh, we're we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast here. If you guys are okay with that, and I uh, I ask one more kind of disarming question, which is, you know, everybody listens to music, and we kind of hinted at some things that maybe air quotes weren't cool, like that that were in your influences. But do you have any guilty pleasures in music that? You know, you, you're proud to love them, even though people might give you a hard time about it, that, that inspire you or are in your tapestry of musical influence. On that, again, Kevin, these are just fantastic questions. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, that's a good one. Um, I, and I love the disarming because it really, you know, it's like you said, it's it's behind the music. It's the intimacy of it. It's just you're showing you, you know, these just dudes. Well, and do that. You told me the Bee Gees before, and I'm that's a guilty pleasure of mine. Put on Saturday Night Fever for me. Love that record. <laughs> love everything from the seventies. Dude, it. yeah, old school Bee Gees, uh, before disco Bee Gees. Oh, okay. When they were a full act, pretty much. They, yeah, they they had they had very much had that Motown uh, vibe to them. I'm trying to remember the name of the song, but the harmonies are so fantastic. But those guys could sing. That being said, guilty pleasure. Oh uh, man. Ah, uh, I weep. <laughs> I absolutely anytime I listen to it, it doesn't matter. Like I could put it on after we're done listening to it right now and I'll ball <laughs> like a baby is uh Yo Yo Ma's version of the Bach cello suite prelude. Mm. Um not really like i think more guilty that i like i'll sit and rock back and forth and cry as i listen to it um i think that's more the guilty thing but it's just such a moving piece Mm. uh and as a guy who is all about stories and lyrics and how people sing and how they're emotional and you know like pushing her voice till it stalls and just like all that like the the drenched in the blues like listening to just a cello by itself is is man that's one of those that's one of those things that that just gets me um guilty pleasure that's such a good question i'm, I'm like rolling through like you answered fine and i can't i'll tell you picking <laughs> yo-yo ma i mean talk about an extraterrestrial in terms of his just sheer musicality and ability to play the instrument uh, that's that's oh that's yeah that's a great answer how about you, Eric? Anybody uh, on your guilty pleasure list, or is that a Man, tough question for you? You know, as well, well, well uh, that's a good question. Personally, I don't have anything that I would describe fully as a guilty pleasure because I, you know, I'm the kind of guy that I'll, you know, I'll admit that I listen to a lot of weird stuff, and I, <laughs> but I, I guess like the the most like uh, kind of not typical you'd look at me and think that I would listen to would be musical theater. I mean, oh. you know, I. I grew up and, uh, you know, both my parents loved like musicals and stuff. And so like, you know, stuff like Sondheim and, you know, it's that's always been something that, you know, kind of going on like similar or like concept albums, like the ability to 
to write a whole story and lyrics and songs that are you know it's a, it's a play but with with song in there that's that's always been a big thing for me is musical theater you know and i was not not a super huge theater nerd in uh in high school but i you know i did i did theater i enjoyed it I, and i think that's part of where the the loving being on stage definitely kind of fully uh cocooned and came out was you know it's it's fun man but oh i am totally going to rip off of that because <laughs> i am also a huge uh i try to carry myself like i'm like i'm some faux cowboy and like you know like i'm joe cool i listen to all these old blues guys and you know <laughs> listen, there's a blues bar that i would listen to these guys do their jive and i'm like writing down stuff and like oh so that's how you talk to the audience okay okay but you know i grew up uh in, in all of high school doing musical theater and i was like a heavy uh uh theater nerd and as soon as you said uh sondheim i just went in my head was uh, uh could it be yes it could something's coming something good like, <laughs> and it's such like a to uh the switch of the voice because there's two different voices you know i got my my you know doing my my thing and then you have that theater music voice where there's like that super spinny vibrato and you know, yeah yeah <laughs> super theatrical so yeah that's a great one that's super good yeah i would put that tacked on to my uh my guilty pleasure too kevin <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well you know it's funny the more musicians i talk to there's like kind of three separate themes that i've i've noticed one is some people come up through you know church music as their first experience but theater's really also been a, a way that uh has paved the way for a number of artists and you guys are obvious you know proof of that point and then uh the third group are a, a, a mismatch of the other things that just you know got influenced because older brothers and sisters dragged them along or they had musical parents or things like that so uh, right yeah it's always cool to get behind the music and figure out what what drives you to make what you make and along that line uh you know let's talk about some of the floods music you know on the social media internet way what's the easiest way for somebody to check out the floods the susquehanna floods if if they want to listen to your music uh current past present etc well you could check us out on uh pretty much all the social medias uh, uh facebook's probably the easiest thing that's the most mm-hmm. uh current uh i guess up to date uh we've all been kind of uh laid back a little bit because mm-hmm. you know we're trying to we're we're, we're actually working on new music Good. with the new lineup before all this stuff happened, you know, mm-hmm. producing some more stuff. Uh, one song that I'm so incredibly happy and can't wait to play it out live. It's called Belt Shiner. And, <laughs> yes. And, it, and it's just got this like, uh, man, I know this is completely bouncing off what we were just talking about, but it. I recorded this. I was in the shower and I just like started getting this like, it started off as a little bass line. It's like, dum, dum, do, 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 do. And it just, it just drenched in Blues Brothers. And I'm like, oh my God. So I like grabbed my phone, hopped out of the shower and just recorded me doing the bass line and singing this one little tag. And then like, I kind of like vulnerable, like as, as vulnerable as I was recording that naked in my shower, in my bathroom, listening, having the guys just like holding my phone out, just having them listen to it. Like, me just making mouth uh, mouth music and they were like and, and crow immediately was like i dig it 
So I'm like, <laughs> all right. So we started moving on to it. And it's just got this like it's got a call and response, and it's just like my like my favorite thing right now of like, and I can't wait to watch people dance to it and sing back and forth with us. Uh, but yeah, uh, Facebook <laughs> is where you could find our music. Under the, uh, the Susquehanna flood spelled like the river that's in Maryland. It is. Mm-hmm. Yep. S-U-S-Q-U-E-H-A-N-N-A. And I'm sure uh, which... I think you just won the spelling bee. Uh, <laughs> the, yeah, if you would ask me that when we started the band, I would have had to write it down for google it <laughs> and i live by the river like that's you know that's that's it right there but yeah so you can find us on facebook and you can find our ep on amazon music apple music uh i'm sure it's on it's on spotify you can mm-hmm. if if you don't have the money to swing to buy it you can hop on youtube and we got the whole thing on there cool. um cool if you want to swing us some money i think it's like five bucks or something like that you know it's not the thing about music today is the music is not what keeps us going it's it's going out and playing live it's selling merch and and you know but i digress on that uh the biggest thing that we've got going on it's a cool little uh cool little tasty treat zoom tight um thanks cool little tasty treat we have on our Facebook right now is we, we got in August, uh, we got to work with, um, unsigned soul El Barak, who is cooler than the other side of the pillow. Um, and it's this little, it's where, where indie stars come to shine. It's the, the tagline they got. And we were their last episode for their season. Um, I think it was the first season of unsigned soul and they were so accommodating. They had, uh, this this soul food place come in and they had i think it was jambalaya wasn't it jambalaya eric yeah yeah jambalaya and uh, rice and cornbread and, and mm. it was just it was phenomenal. it was that soul food man it was and everyone was so cool and we got up there and we did our thing and we sound checked and we're all dressed to the nine and you know we're, we're under lights and they got like fog going and we got to play at a place where we jam where we practice it jam 24 7 mm-hmm. uh, and tom's always been super accommodating so they saw us while we were practicing it's like hey you want to come on the show and we're like yeah that's cool and it was this whole production like like multiple cameras lights and the guy did like an interview with us and much like this interview i talked way too much <laughs> uh-huh. well, um maybe not <laughs> and it was so cool and then and then we just waited and we're like is this is this is this gonna happen like are you know are we gonna be able to do this mm-hmm. and it was really cool because it, it was our last show with eric picard before yeah, um he got. stepped away from the drums and it was it was you know it's neat to go back and listen to it and mm-hmm. one of the cool coolest things i think of that night was we we picked two songs they wanted two songs from us and we rehearsed them and we rehearsed them. We might have even over-rehearsed them, just like trying to get it absolutely perfect because we're all a bunch of perfectionists. Okay. Um, and we get up there, we play our two songs, and El Brock gets up there, and I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but he was like, all right, man, well, we don't normally do this uh, on on this show, but would you guys like to play another one, you know, one more tune? You know, and as a band, you know, you do a good job, and everyone's like, yeah, one more, and you're like, all right 
well, I don't know where we're going to play, but we had, we had all these songs to pick from. Right. But instantly I looked at all the guys, it was like muddy water and they all like nodded their heads. Yeah. And it was, it was one of the best, uh, in my opinion, versions of the song. And it felt so good. And like, you know, I'm, I'm like before I'm like beating myself up of like little things that I missed, you know, playing the other songs. And then muddy water came out and even going back to listen to it. I was like, dude, Oh man, it just I it took me back to that time where I was like, "Good job, guys! You nailed it." It made me feel good, and it was it's cool to see the last song that we played out before all this stuff happened was the first song that I wrote, and the evolution of that song. So yeah, uh, that's a cool video. If uh, if you guys want to check it out, um, you can find it on their YouTube's Unsigned Soul. It's on our Facebook as well. That's great. I was going to ask you where you could check that out. And uh, I like how it goes full circle from uh, the beginning of the interview to the end of the interview, kind of speaking. And you're talking about the first song you actually wrote in this, this band. So it's, it's what a compliment to get asked to do an encore. And I'm glad you guys nailed it. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun, man. A lot of fun. So we're well yeah. over an hour and a half happy here. <laughs> so yeah, we've been cooking here. <laughs> well, it's been a great conversation. I can't thank you guys enough and all your support members for letting you uh, cut loose for this amount of time and, and to join me. But in closing, are there any um, questions I should have asked you that you wish I had or any topics you'd like to cover before we sign off for the evening? Well, I do have a question. What made you want to to, to put together this podcast. Um, I know you have uh, a lot of friends that are in local scenes, local bands, mm -hmm. but like I kind of put together my own little like Trev shut in mic where I kind of play and I try to, I'm, I'm going to try and like add people to, you know, like kind of, kind of uh, highlight other players, but you know, something sitting, you know, something recent, you know, I guess recent times had to spark you, you know, to, to want to do this. As it, was it was it prior to the COVID nineteen, or was this like something that really pushed you to want to make this podcast? Well, first of all, I appreciate you asking that question. It's a really good one, and it, it's a little both, uh, to be honest, Trevor. Uh, I, I had in the back of my mind, I, as you know, I've got a pretty decent recording studio in my house. It's not pro, but it's pretty close, and uh, I, I enjoy the uh, so many people who play music around me. I, I've been toying around with how I can. Uh, get to know artists and, and drill down behind them. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts myself. I travel a lot for a living. So it's like when I'm on the road and I don't want to listen to music, I listen to Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan or some of those guys who really uh, get behind the stories of, of people who are the best at what they do. So I thought it would be great to, 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 to start local and radiate outward and uh, get behind the people who I respect who make music and find out how they how they think about it and what's on their minds and learn a few things from them as I have from you guys and so thanks for asking that question so it COVID also obviously also gave me a little bit more time to uh to to actually produce and and talk to guys like you so thank you again for joining and for the question oh hey I I mean I know we appreciate it I would definitely speak for Crow on this one we, yeah. we were both <laughs> we were both excited it was funny um you know I I immediately after I listened to uh the one with Matt Volk and, and Kirby Moore, uh, I I immediately messaged you. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. I really enjoyed this. And you were like, hey, you want to be on it? I'm like, I was hoping you were going to ask me that. <laughs> yeah, Eric, and then uh, yeah. and then Crow and I, you know, we'll text each other every once in a while when uh, 
you know, just to check in on, on your, on your buddies. And, and mm. he said, he actually mentioned it like outside of it, you know, he was like, Hey, you know, Kevin's got this thing going on. I was like, dude, I just listened to it. He's like, Oh, we should hop on that. And I'm like, yes, absolutely. This is going to be fantastic. This is going to be fantastic. Like, and it, it has been a real treat, man. Um, well, thank you. I, I, you are, uh, really good at it. Uh, the questions are phenomenal. Uh, and yeah, it's very, very, uh, your hospitality, although via, uh, through a phone is, is, is great. You know, you, you, you let us speak when we need to speak and you have great questions and you let me ramble on, which I appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> Make a great song title. Again, thanks for being my guest tonight, guys. Uh, great job and uh, big fan of your music, as you know, and I can't wait to see you out playing clubs again and uh, hearing that new song that you, uh, yeah, man. Looking forward to it. Uh, I'm hoping yeah. it's, it's sooner than later. Um, I'll, I'll leave with this little thing. I said this on my little uh, live feed. I hope we get back to normal before this becomes the new normal. That's a good good line. And uh, again, thank you to you for putting on the acoustic stuff. Uh, look for Trevor on his uh, Facebook, and he goes live uh, frequently here and there to uh, spin some tunes and uh, pass the time for all of us who are... Uh, have a little bit more time on our hands these days. So guys, again, thanks so much. Uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Vice versa, man. It's been a pleasure. We appreciate you, Kevin. Like, yeah, man. I got you. Thanks. This is K-Mac here. Thanks for listening to Musicology, the podcast uh, where we featured the Susquehanna Floods, uh, members Trevor Biggers and Eric Crow. Thanks to those guys for joining. Check them out on the internet at facebook.com, the Susquehanna Floods. And as always, check out KMAC Musicology on Facebook, as well as Anchor FM and Spotify. Look forward to talking to you next time. Until then, wishing you all the best.